Hello, and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. And I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning. This is a spoiler-free podcast. Whether you're watching for the first time or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time, too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary on the show from a 21st century lens. Thanks for listening. Now, on to the episode. Season 4, episode 13, The Eye in Team. Welcome back, Kara. Thanks, Jeff. I wasn't aware we'd gone anywhere. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's not like we've just taken a couple of weeks off, and it's not like I've completely forgotten how to record a podcast or who any of these characters are. Do you feel recharged? I do. I will say that I caught COVID over the break, so I don't feel as <laughs> uh, nurtured in my voice as I should today, but... Uh, Bear with us, listeners. You might hear a little bit of coughing from me. We have come back after a couple of bonus episodes, Joss Whedon on Trial, and the first two episodes of True Blood. So we really appreciate all of the messages, comments, everybody writing in with hot stakes or just talking about our choices of bonus episode. Uh, Please remember, you can always suggest bonus topics to us. And especially if you are a Buy Me a Coffee supporter, then we get... Like we give you extra extra weight to those suggestions. We love <laughs> picking up different topics to do, uh, especially when we take little breaks like this. Yeah, and also thanks to everyone who messaged just to say that we miss you. <laughs> right? We got a lot of messages of people being like, "No, no prophecy girls today." Like I knew it wasn't coming, but I still hoped. <laughs> so dropping these bonus episodes were are really fun for Kara and I because. We like surprising you, but also you're such good listeners. We want to treat you guys. <coughs> Thank oh, you for yeah. supporting us. And we are back. And you can enjoy new episodes every week for the next few months at least. So buckle up because we are halfway through season four and it's just going to get better. more season four <laughs> from here. Okay, well, let's get started, okay? I did have to remind myself a little bit about what you... Kendara and I talked about in A New Man. But you know what? This episode does a really good job of summarizing some of that for us because a lot of it of what happened in the last episode carries into this one. Well, I don't know how, maybe it's because we're just like getting back into it or ramping back up after a month off. But like, I just wasn't feeling this episode. I just, I just wasn't. I understand where you're coming from because there's certainly aspects of this episode that I didn't enjoy. But overall, I think this episode is fun it's interesting especially the ending mm. also it, it, it continues it continues to be a very horny show this episode is full of like double entendres and sexual innuendo and also sex itself yeah, <laughs> right I, I, like we I, get a sex uh, scene no <laughs> yeah yeah no for me as well it's gonna be a no for me dog but we will discuss it when we get there but let's Let's start off in Xander's basement. That's a great way to start off the second half of season four. Um, <coughs> Willow appears to be doing a spell. She's calling to Nisa, the goddess of chance and fortune. But turns out she's playing poker with Xander and Anya in his basement. And she's praying to this goddess to help her cheat. And Xander is <coughs> my COVID. <laughs> Xander is reminding Anya how to play. 
who says this is a stupid game all these rules to win little plastic discs and Xander's like they're chips like they chips they represent money and since none of us have any money to represent money and then he ch- he changes the subject he says he's got merchandise that's going to hit the street soon and Willow's like is it drugs <laughs> because she hung out with that doctor in the emergency <laughs> And Xander says uh, it's a box of boost bars. So he's selling boost bars. He's the local distributor. The bars are natural food bars that provide nutritional energy boost for active, healthy, conscious people. Is this a product placement? Because aren't boost bars a real thing? Are they? They sound disgusting. (laughs) I mean, I know there's boost meal replacement drinks. I don't know if they come in bar form. If it is real and if it is product placement, well done, because you have Xander peddling them to the audience and to his friends. But Willow doesn't want one. Willow refuses because she says those things usually taste kind of tasteless with a bad after tastelessness. <laughs> and um, Xander's showing the box. Like, he got them in boxes. They look a lot like band candy boxes, if you ask me. And I will add, it was only a matter of time before Xander joined a pyramid scheme because he's had so many jobs. Yeah, this is what, job number four? Like, it feels like job Five? number eight. Like, I thought he was a construction worker now. And then he worked at the hot dog stand and he was a pizza delivery and person. don't forget the hot melted cheese. <laughs> yeah, like the garlic bread delivery boy. I don't know. Um... So Anya changes the subject back to the game, right? She says, I've got 3K cards (laughs) and I don't, (coughs) I don't know how to play poker. Do you? No. When I have played poker, I'm really bad at it. And I think it's because I don't have a poker face. Like, I think you need to be a very (laughs) dishonest person. (laughs) And uh, I, I wear too much of my feelings on my face, apparently. So... Anya would actually probably be really good at this game. Uh, I'm actually surprised she doesn't know how to play it because she's been around for a thousand years. And it just seems like a game that she would be good at. She was very busy giving men boils on their penises. Okay, Steph, do you know how much that takes out of you every day? She just didn't have time to learn how to play poker. I get it, honestly. That makes sense. Uh, Xander says that he wishes that Buffy could have made it that night. And Willow says that she's out with Riley. And you know how it is with a spanking new boyfriend. And Anya's like, yes, we've enjoyed spanking. (laughs) Okay. So there's your little innuendo, Kara. Xander literally, like... I don't know what you call it, throws the deck of cards, like spills them up in the air when she says that. And he says that Riley is okay in an oafish kind of way. And I was like, here's me like agreeing with Xander. Because isn't that what we've been (laughs) saying this whole time? Like, yeah, Riley will do. There's been times at the beginning of the season where he was showing a little bravery and I was like down. I was like, all right, all right, all right. But since then, he's he's literally been okay, but oafish, right? Yeah. So Xander expresses that, uh, you know, that there's a big floating question mark over his head about the whole initiative thing. And Willow's like, okay, well, they seem to be the good guy camp, right? Very anti-demon. And then she looks at Anya and she's like, you know, but probably pro-ex-demon. And Anya says she chooses to feel threatened by them. That's fair. That's very fair. And Xander says there's still heaps they don't know about the commandos. What exactly are they up to? So we cut to the commandos who are creeping around the woods, very likely a mile or two outside between... You see Sunnydale and actual Sunnydale and Buffy jumps out at them and starts kicking their ass and she beats them all up and then she holds one in front of her. He gets tased by another one. It's pretty Mm -hmm. funny. Um, A Jeep lights up. Riley and Maggie Walsh approach Buffy and Walsh is like, it took the patrol team 42 minutes to track you and you neutralized them in 28 seconds. And Buffy's like, I was just lucky. And I was like, Buffy, don't downplay your abilities. You've been doing this for a couple episodes now. You know, like you're the best and you should say it. 
And Maggie says, very impressive, and leaves. And Riley is smiling oafishly at her. <laughs> like, very himbo. I, I'm on the himbo train with Riley now. No, he is such a himbo in this episode. And he's just like, because <laughs> he likes her so much. And Graham and Forrest are walking by them, because they're the one of the commandos, some of the commandos that Buffy beat up. And Graham, sweetheart Graham, who we've been overlooking this whole time, says, awesome, Buffy, as he walks by her. And I was like... I love Graham. I don't know him at all. I don't know him, but I really like that he said that to Buffy. Because Forrest, on the other hand, just scoffs. He's like, women, right? Riley puts his arm around her and leads her away. And he's like, you're a hit. Everyone loves you. And then we see Walsh, who certainly does not look like she loves Buffy. She looks concerned. Cut to credits. Mom is jealous. Oh, no. (laughs) Lots to dig into there. Buffy's talking to Willow at school, and they're having lunch. And uh, Professor Walsh, she's saying that Professor Walsh was impressed with her performance last night, and Willow's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Buffy was like, how was your night? And Willow says, you know, a normal person's night, you know, light <laughs> on the action packed. Uh, but she hopes tonight. She hopes that tonight is not going to be a letdown for Buffy, excitement-wise. And Buffy seems really confused by that, and Willow's like, you remember, right? And Buffy's like, oh yeah, the bronze, like the gang. Are you kidding? I wouldn't be anywhere else. I miss you guys. We haven't been able to spend that much time together lately. And Willow says, well, you've been fighting armies and stuff, not to mention the other distractions of a more romantic dot dot dot. But Buffy isn't listening to Willow. She is distracted because Riley just walked into the cafeteria, and Buffy's smiling at him, and googly eye over him and then she like asks willow about her night again and willow says that they spent the night at xander's teaching anya to play poker and buffy's like that sounds fun and willow's like yeah except for the anya part and the poker part and i was like whoa (laughs) whoa 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 willow like we've been getting a lot of this attitude from her this season especially related to anya she's just like hating on anya and like, yeah, Anya says things out of the blue. But again, like, I don't think Anya really deserves that from Willow anymore, right? She hasn't tried to kill her since last well, year. And, and like, <laughs> if, if Willow wasn't happy playing poker with Xander and Anya, she could have done something else. She wasn't trapped there, right? She could have said, hey, let's play a board game. Let's watch a movie. Or she could have gone back to her room and, I don't know, studied. I think we're supposed to start feeling sorry for Willow around here. And I do, like, well, actually, let's get into it once I finish this part of the scene. Because... <laughs> Buffy starts to set, tell Willow something, probably something very similar to what you just said, Kara. Like, okay, well, you're going to have to get used to it or, or you know, like say something about it. But then she notices that gra- that Riley grabbed a Twinkie for lunch and Buffy's like, oh, a Twinkie for lunch? Like, oh, he's going to be punished. And Willow's like, everyone's getting spanked but me. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? So two things here. One, I think we're supposed to start feeling bad for Willow that... She's feeling out of place still. Perhaps she's still getting over a little bit of her breakup with Oz. But most importantly, she is trying to connect with Buffy and Buffy's distracted by her new boyfriend. And I sympathize with that because like, it, it is one of my pet peeves when friends get new partners in their life and then they completely forget that the rest of their life exists. And yes, honeymoon phase is a real thing. Like I've done it. Like lots of people have done it. And I do have space for people when they, oh, they've met someone new and exciting and they want to spend time with them. I get it. But I have called out people in the past, like in my life, for forgetting that their friends who have been there all along still need some of that attention, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think also it's worth remembering, right? Like Willow has gone through this breakup with Oz, right? But she's also on the cusp with this new relationship with Tara. And 
it's interesting and something we see throughout this episode, she's not ready to talk about it with any of her friends, right? She doesn't talk about it here with Buffy. She doesn't talk about it later on in the episode, even when Buffy kind of gives her a chance to talk about it. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really interesting how Willow is holding herself apart from the Scoobies right now. And, uh, you know, she's exploring uh, magic. She's exploring this relationship with Tara and yeah, like, is, is Buffy really wrapped up in Riley and the initiative? Sure. And that can suck in some ways. But that's also very normal when you get into a new kind of relationship. But but Willow is also really wrapped up in her own thing. And, and I think this is all very normal. I don't think there's anything wrong with what's going on here. But it's more about, like, you just have to communicate clearly with your friends. Yeah, I agree. It's a lack of communication here or, or feeling comfortable enough to bring it up. Maybe that also talks to the fact that they are growing apart a little bit this year and that's totally normal too. Uh, That's the second thing I wanted to bring up was the fact that I think we're supposed to feel sympathy for Willow for feeling a little out of place, out of the loop and um, maybe a little bit left behind by, you know, her friends who are in relationships and essentially what she might be feeling is a little bit of jealousy, right? Xander and Anya are going great. Buffy has this new exciting new boyfriend and new life and new experiences that she's having with him. So Willow's feeling a little bit jealous about that. And again, like you just said, something is happening between Willow and Tara and Willow's not comfortable to speak about that. But that's, that's kind of why I don't feel as much sympathy for her here as I think I would have in the past, because I'm just like, okay, but Willow, you also have other things going on. You just don't really want to talk about it yet. And that's, that's fine too. So I also want to add one more thing that, (laughs) on the other hand, I am actually very sorry for Willow because it was one thing to be ignored by Buffy when it was someone new and exciting in her life, like Faith, right? Like we've seen Willow get upset when Buffy finds new people to be interested in in the past. But Faith was really exciting and cool. Now to be ignored for somebody who is is as milquetoast as Riley, like that sucks. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. That's a good point. That really sucks. So... Let's cut to Giles, who is entering Spike's new crypt. Spike like yells at him. He's like, wipe your feet when you enter a person's home. And Giles is like, oh, yes, so careless of me, tracking mud all over your mud. <laughs> so Spike admits it's a fixer-upper. He needs a woman's touch. Care to have a crack at it. And I was like, well, Spike, why don't you just go ask Joyce, right? Like, why don't you go spark up a conversation with Joyce? And she'll give you a lot of home I mean, care tips. He can certainly get some good, cheap art from her. <laughs> Right? Like, Joyce, not only is she attractive, Spike, but she's got all the connections that you might be needing in this town. So (laughs) Giles is like, let's get to the point. As much as it pains me to say this, I owe you a debt of gratitude for your help you provided me during my recent metamorphosis. So here he is. He's talking about what happened in the last episode. Uh, Spike says, stuff the gratitude. You owe me more than that. And Giles gives him the $300. And in the last episode, Cara, you were saying, does he ever give him the money? And I was like, well, he must. Giles is good for his word. Well, here he is giving him the, the money and Spike's counting it. And Giles is saying to him, like, you know, I've been thinking about your affliction and newfound discovery that you can fight demons. Has it ever occurred to you that you may, <coughs> that there may be a higher purpose? And Spike is annoyed that Giles made him lose count. And he's like, what are you still doing here? (laughs) And Giles is like, clearly talking to myself. So Spike tells him to piss off. This bit of business wraps up any I got with you and your slayerettes. From here on, I want nothing to do with a lot of you. 
And Giles says, you choosing to remain in Sunnydale might make that a little difficult. And Spike says, well, you and yours will have to show a little restraint is all. Now get out. So <laughs> Giles goes to leave and Spike is like following him to the door. And he's like, I don't want you crawling back here, knocking on my door, pleading for help. The second teen witch's magic goes wonky or little Xander cuts a new tooth. <laughs> We're through. Got it? And Giles is like, he opens the door and he almost blasts Spike with sunshine. And Spike's like, honeymoon is over. So this scene, of course, uh, this scene sets up the humor later on in the episode, right? Like, that's why this scene exists. And I I think that's what I like about this episode so much is I, I can see what you're saying. Well, like, maybe parts of it are a little bit boring, but like the way that they set up things earlier in the episode and then come back to them, call back to them later on. I really like that. I think the episode is put together in a really nice way. Okay, interesting. I think like I think there are some dynamics like this one. Again, Spike and James Marsters just brings out the best in all of his scenes, right? He's just so good. Um, this is exciting to watch. And when the Scoobies are together, it's exciting to watch. Maybe it's the fact that Buffy is displaced with the initiative right now that I'm not so interested in. Could be, right? Speaking of that, uh, Ruffy are speaking closely together. And Riley is like, you don't have to do this if you'd rather wait. And Buffy's like, I'm ready. I want to. And we're like, oh, my God, are they about to engage in coitus? But no, they're going to go down into the initiative. And um, Buffy gets her retinal scan in the mirror and the elevator takes them down. And when Buffy (laughs) sees the size of the initiative, she's like, it's so big. Like, you didn't say it was huge. And Riley's like, I don't like to brag. (laughs) And even I picked up on that innuendo, right? I'm just like, why is this episode so horny? Because they just, like, I guess Buffy and Riley are going to do it soon. So they're like, let's talk about sex and everything. Riley's about to kiss her when Walsh walks up and she's like, oh, so you like our little operation? And Buffy's like, yes, it's very clean. (laughs) Um, But this is so interesting because Riley's very PDA with Buffy. And I just feel like because he's the captain and because it's like a military operation, like, I just don't think it's normal for him to be that grabby with her all the time. I agree. I mean, I I think, but we're seeing like Riley is not the most professional soldier. And all these soldiers suck. We'll see that later too. (laughs) But um, there's something I noticed. And like the fact that he was like, just going to kiss her. It's like, Riley, like you're, uh, you are a authoritative figure amongst your peers here. So like, come on. Walsh is giving... Buffy a a visitor's pass and a document to get her up to speed. And she's like, uh, you can't leave with the document. It's classified, highly sensitive material. When you're through reading those pages, you have to eat them. And like Buffy like is so confused. And Riley just smiles because he's a himbo. And he's like, she's joking. (laughs) Like, (laughs) And Walsh is like, um, you know, it doesn't happen very often. And she brings Buffy down to the pit where they do the research on the HSTs. And there's two green, like, Zoidberg-looking monsters in there. And Walsh says that they'll be under our control very soon. And then she's like, hey, Dr. Engelman. <laughs> like, there's, like, a doctor in the pit. <laughs> and she just shouts at him. <laughs> and sure enough, the guy in the pit, who is clearly Dr. Engelman, waves back. <laughs> and Walsh is like, he's the head of, of, our, of their science team, a leader in the field of xenomorph- xenomorphic behavior modification. Xenomorphic. Xenomorphic <laughs> behavior modification. That's my typo mistake. Um, 
<laughs> she says that they've made significant advances in reconditioning the subterrestrials, bringing them to a point where they no longer pose a threat. And Buffy says, oh, so I've seen. <laughs> and Walsh and Riley are like, what? And Buffy's like, oh, you know, like on the Discovery Channel with gorillas and sharks, they make them all nice. You haven't seen it? And I was like, oh, Buffy, another terrible Buffy lie. <laughs> Buffy, Buffy, Buffy. So Walsh shows him to the armory and um, she's being so condescending. Again, we talked about this last episode too. Walsh clearly does not understand what Buffy is because she's like saying, oh no, these are all like, you know, the weapons, you need clearance to use them. But the more advanced arsenal can be quite complicated. Like I'm certain in time you'll understand how to use them. You know what I mean? And it's like Buffy's like, hello, I fired a rocket launcher at a blue monster like when I was 16. So please, please. Buffy's looking really closely at this communications camera prototype, and Walsh is like, put that down, it's $20,000. <laughs> and um, Riley says that, you know, they're going to make those standard for all the soldiers uh, so that they can have a direct comm link to control center. And Walsh is like, it also monitors the heart rates of the wearer, a valuable tool for research in stress and combat conditioning. Now, follow me. I'll show you the HST contamination area. I love how she just mentions this incredibly random detail of about this piece of equipment. Puffy doesn't need to know that it measures your heart rate, but we, the viewer, we have to know that it measures your heart rate for reasons that become clear later. Yes, I know. Walsh is just really trying to show how impressive the initiative is. She's like, that's not just a camera, okay? That's also a monitor. <laughs> it's also an Apple Watch. It also tells time. It does yeah, a lot of stuff. The technology in this episode is a little bit outdated compared to what we have now, 25 years later. <laughs> oh, yeah, because right after this, right, the tour is over, and Buffy does point out the restricted area, right, where Walsh is like, oh, it's just for research. Don't don't worry about that. Don't don't worry about that. It's not sketchy. Nothing terrible <laughs> happening in there. No, certainly not 314. Um, Walsh gives Buffy a security card and a pager. Right. So here's so like they got like twenty thousand dollars of tech in cameras, but they're still using pagers. And Buffy, amazingly, Kara, this blew my mind. Buffy says she's always wanted one of these. And I was like, Buffy, did you not say in season one, episode five, Never Kill a Boy on the First Date, that if the apocalypse comes, beat me? <laughs> like, isn't that what that means? Does that mean you had a pager? <laughs> I believe that's what I, I'm too young to have ever had a pager. I don't know about you, Stephanie, but... Uh, yes, I believe beeping somebody was also being paged. Lies, Buffy, lies. <laughs> well, maybe she didn't have one back then. Maybe she was just pretending to have one because she wanted to be cool. Yeah, in front of Owen. Um, <laughs> long live Owen. So uh, let's cut to Willow, who's sitting with Tara. Oh, it's so nice to see Tara. Again, like Tara has a, such a calming presence. Like I was like, oh, do some ASMR witchcraft, guys. But they didn't. <laughs> Tara has a very large crystal, and Willow says that she's been trying to get a doll's eye crystal her entire life, well, since June. A doll's eye crystal. I wonder what that is. So <laughs> Tara said I w it was her grandma's. Um, <laughs> she found it a long time ago in the attic, and she says, I want you to have it. That's a very Ooh. significant gift, Tara. Very significant. Willow knows this because she says, oh, no, Tara, that's really sweet, but I, I couldn't. Like, it's, it's a family heirloom. Willow's saying, I wouldn't feel comfortable to take it, but if you want to try some more spells with me sometime, I wouldn't say no. And Tara's like, well, maybe tonight. Like, I'm, if you're not doing something, you could come over and we could do something. And like, she's so shy. Like, she looks down a lot when she's saying this. Like, ugh, 
Tara's so cute. And Willow's like, oh, tonight, like, oh, I got plans with people tonight, like other people. And Tara's like, okay, like another time. Because Willow's not inviting Tara, right? Like this is your chance to be like, oh, come with. But Willow says, it's just that tonight, like it's kind of a specific crowd. You might feel out of place. And I was like, Willow, that's a really weird way to say I'm hanging out with my high school friends, right? Like just, (laughs) there's better ways to say this. And Tara's like, okay, I gotta go. (coughs) I gotta go to class. So she gets up to go and Willow's like, okay, I'll see you later, right? And it's kind of weird. So I think here, I think it's really safe to say, and you and I have been like, you know, edging toward this for a while. Like these are the beginning stages of a courtship, right? Like Tara's giving Willow a significant gift that obviously means a lot to her. And like, she, oh, you were thinking of this. I brought this for you. And she's like asking Willow to come hang out with her at night. And it's weird. Like if it was a friend, like if I was like, hey, Kara, are you doing anything tonight? Let's go, right? It'd be so chill. But when you like somebody and it's like the beginning of something, maybe a little bit more, you might be more nervous about it, right? So I think like the, the signs um, are here. I don't know. I mean, I understand how you're reading it that way. But honestly, I identify a lot with Tara in this scene even just when it comes to making friends. You know, I have a difficult time making friends with people and I I would react the way Tara's reacting in this scene if I was across from Willow. And Willow was like, oh, you know, I'm busy tonight and can't, I have plans. I, I would be the Tara in this situation and be like, okay, yeah, it was dumb. You don't like me, it's fine. We don't have to be friends. I do not relate to that, but I understand what you're saying. What I what I think Willow should have said was, how about tomorrow? Like, you know what I mean? Like, follow up yeah, with the like, hangout that, that next time. That would nice. But yeah, like, I agree with you. Tara's doing something very significant here, right? Which is, we've seen that she doesn't do well in groups. We've seen that she tends to shut down. So that she is making an effort with Willow. And I think maybe Willow's not picking up on that necessarily. Like, obviously, Willow likes Tara and wants to spend time with her. But I, I think Willow maybe hasn't realized that what Tara is doing is very unusual for Tara. It's Tara getting out of her comfort zone because she is so attracted to Willow. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think this is, if we go back to what we were saying earlier about Willow, Willow can be really dense sometimes, you know, like mm-hmm. Willow can be really wrapped up in her own shit, even when she's involved with somebody, whether it's Oz or Tara or whomever, you know, she really doesn't necessarily put herself in other people's shoes. And I think that's what we're seeing in the scene is, is Willow is just like, oh, it's really sweet. You want me to have this crystal Tara, but I couldn't take it, which, you know, fair enough. And then she's like, oh, it's really sweet. You want to hang out, but I've got other plans, which Fair enough, but it's like, take a moment to, like, read the room, Willow. Like, Tara is so quiet and so reserved, and she is, like, putting her heart out on a platter, and you're, like, stabbing it over and over and over. (laughs) Yeah, and I I think it's also maybe a little bit of Willow denying these feelings, right? Because I I think she's like, no, no, like, I'm going back to my high school friends. Like, this is what I know. And then... Oh, like, I can't take your family heirloom because it's like, that's a really big deal to you. And if I take it, it might show that I'm interested or that, like, I'm, I'm saying yes to something mm-hmm. that I don't know what I'm saying yes to. So, like, it's mm-hmm. a lot of, it's a very cool scene. And I like this development a lot. But you're right. Like, Willow is not taking Tara's feelings into account as much as she should. But I think it's also she's choosing not to. She's like, no, nah, I'm not ready for this yet. Uh, let's cut to Maggie, who enters room 314 in the restricted area. And uh, our our best bud, Dr. Engelman, is in there. 
<laughs> and he's like, how'd the tour go? And she's like, I'm not sure. She's unpredictable. And Engelman is saying that Buffy is an unnecessary risk. And Walsh is like, possibly. How's our baby doing today? Oh, my. Engelman <laughs> is like, adjusting nicely. Reflexes. Motor functions. All off the charts. And Walsh is like, almost time to wake up, Adam, and take your first look at the world. I know you're going to make me proud. And what she's staring at on the table is this like, Frankenstein, like half human, half demon thing lying on the table sleeping. <laughs> yeah, he's got like mottled skin and like metal bits sticking to him. It's it's really strange. And so now we know what's in room 314, right? Because all we've seen up to that point is the door and the fact that she goes inside. And we know there's something weird going on in there. But so they're they're working on some kind of, I don't know, demonic super soldier someone named adam yeah and it didn't honestly it didn't take very long to for this reveal like we were left hanging last episode but here it is they're making an adam um at the bronze willow is sitting at a table with anya xander approaches he's eating one of his own boost bars and he's wearing a captain america shirt a lot literally eating his merchandise <laughs> well what would he really this expect? is a callback to band candy though right because remember how xander was the one who was eating all the band candy and being <laughs> yeah, like yeah, i don't yeah, feel yeah. anything so Anya says, um, Xander, you haven't been paying attention to me. Oh, you haven't been paying any attention to me tonight. <laughs> now that sounds like me again. Um, she's like, you're just peddling those processed food bricks. I don't know. And I don't know why. And Xander's like, let me put it in a way that you'll understand. Sell bars, make money, take Anya nice places, buy pretty things. And Anya's like, it does make sense. All right, I support you. Go sell more. And Xander's like, this is the only one I have. I'm like, uh, so he says, it's too late. Maybe we should go. And Will's like, you can't go yet. Buffy hasn't gotten here yet. And Xander's like, well, she's almost an hour late. Like, she's probably off living it up with Riley, and I don't think she's coming. And Willow's like, no, but she's <laughs> she's looking forward to spending quality time with just us. And again, like, why does this matter so much to Willow? She, like you said earlier, she's lonely. She's jealous. She's envious. She she wants to she, hang out with her high school friends instead of finding new, new friends, friends, finding new people. But in their residence, know, whenever, perhaps. Yeah. Whenever my friends get involved with a new romantic partner, I always give them like a little buffer of like a couple of weeks where I'm just like, okay. Like, this is the honeymoon phase. You're going to be all hot and heavy. You're not going to respond to my messages very quickly. I'm going to hear from you less because you're wrapped up with this new person. Like, you know, and I, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I've been at this a little longer than Willow. But it's like, I know what to expect when my friends get involved with somebody. And again, like, I, I don't think I'm criticizing Willow here with how she's reacting. I think her reaction is very valid. But it's also just like Willow, like, you know, cut Buffy some slack. They're what? 18 19 at this point 19 like, yeah they're so young like buff of course buffy's gonna be obsessed with riley have you seen him he's total <laughs> himbo material yeah the himbo so I, dreams. Just, I, I i'm not blaming willow but i also think that like realistically willow you should maybe just like take a step back and just reevaluate like how you're processing this situation i think willow's beating herself up a little bit i agree yeah, I just, oof, like, she's, just, she's being weirdo this, this episode. Then she's like, oh, here comes Buffy. And sure enough, Buffy's coming in. But she's coming in with Riley and some boys. So she comes up to them. She's like, hey, guys, sorry about the latitude. And Xander's like, oh, we hadn't noticed. So Riley says, I hope you don't mind us tagging along. And he's like, this is Graham, Forrest, Kevin, and Jay. <laughs> huh? 
Hi, Kevin and Jay. <laughs> Kevin and Jay, what the fuck? Who are you? Um, hi, Graham. I really like you now. Uh, they go, they go get drinks, and Riley's like, "You want any?" And they all say no, and it's really uncomfortable. And Anya's like, "We're gonna go dance over there," and she pulls Xander away. So that leaves Buffy alone with Willow, who explains that she's antsy, that Anya's antsy around commando types because of her ex-demon issues. So Buffy says, "Like, I didn't think you would mind because Riley and the other guys were throwing a little impromptu celebration in my honor, and it made it impossible not to invite them." And Willow's like. You know, that's neat, you know, about the celebrating. I just thought this was supposed to be us, just the Scooby Corpse. I could have invited someone else if I knew that it was an open free-for-all. And Buffy apologizes, right? Like, she didn't, she doesn't know that Willow's feeling these things. Yeah, good for her. Like, Buffy's like, oh, geez, I got, it's my total bad, is what she says. She's like, who would you have invited? And Willow's like, what? Like, no one. And Buffy's like, you said you would have invited someone. Who was it? And Willow's like, nah, I mean, a hypothetical someone, like, which is to say, (laughs) no one. Like, what were you celebrating? Like, she changes the subject. So clearly Willow's uncomfortable talking about Tara. Um, Willow says, uh, Buffy says that she's in. I'm in the initiative. And Professor Walsh gave me the grand tour. and it's initiated into the initiative. She's initiated in. Yeah, her initiative initiation. At the bronze. (laughs) So Willow says, you've joined them. And Willow's, Bobby's like, no, it just means that when I patrol, I'll have a heavy, I'll have a heavily armed team backing me up. And plus, boyfriend going to work with me, extra big perk. And Buffy, I just want to remind you that in graduation day part one, you said that you would never have another office romance. (laughs) You liar. I just, I have all the callbacks. Just come to me if you want them. I remember everything that you said and did, Buffy. So Willow says, do you really think this is a good idea? Like, don't you think you're rushing things a little bit? And Buffy's like, I thought you really liked Riley. Like, sad face. (laughs) And Willow's like, no, not with Riley. (coughs) With the initiative. There's a bunch of stuff about them we still don't know. Like, what's their ultimate agenda? Sure, they neuter vampires and demons, but... Then what? Are they going to reintegrate them into into society? Get them jobs as bag boys at Walmart? And Buffy's like, does Walmart have bag boys? <laughs> so Willow says, don't forget that 314 thing that Ethan told Giles about. And fair enough, Buffy's like, okay, man that worships chaos and tries to kill you is a man you can trust. <laughs> and Willow's like, okay, fair enough, fair enough. But I just think that there are certain questions that you should ask before you go off and enlist. And Willow is absolutely correct. And then Buffy's pager goes off, the only pager she's ever had her whole life goes off. And as <laughs> does it, for the other boy, it's so loud. These guys suck at being stealthy secret Are agents. Are they possibly undercover commandos? <laughs> it's like all of them get their pagers. They're like, oh, mother's calling. I was like, what the fuck is that? Mother wants us, said Riley. And I'm like, oh my God. So anyway, Buffy takes off with them. Willow's like, okay, bye. So we end up back at the initiative. It's a an all-hands briefing. We got Walsh and Dr. Engelman there. Uh, and there's a demon on the, the slideshow projector. It's a Polgara demon, and it's got these really, like, gnarly-looking bone skewers sticking out from its wrists. And uh, Walsh is talking about how, like, okay, we've tracked it. It's got a distinct protein marker, blah, blah, blah. And Dr. Engelman says, okay, when you, like, confront the creature, you cannot damage the bone skewers. That's all you need to know. So, of course, all these military guys are just like, yeah, okay, cool, fine. And Buffy, sitting in the back, raises her hand. 
Dr. Engelman's not sure what to do, so Professor Walsh has to step in and be like, Buffy? And she says, why? Why can't we damage this polka thing's arms? I love how she calls it a polka thing. It's so yeah. Buffy. Uh, and then she's like, you know, things get damaged when I fight. And the other soldiers are really uncomfortable. Riley's like, I don't know what to do with this. Um, and Dr. Engelman gives her a pretty good answer. He's like, oh, we want to study the physiology of uh, every hostile subterrestrial that we encounter and their natural defenses. Uh, it's part of the research that we do. But Buffy's already got her arm up for another question. And she's like, what do they want? <laughs> Why are they here? You know, and she, she starts listing. She's like... You know, are they here for sacrifices, treasure? Are they just getting rampagey? <laughs> and uh, we hear from Dr. Engelman something we've heard from like Forrest and some of the other initiative people, which is that, you know, these demons aren't sentient. They're just destructive forces, right? And this is the common refrain from the initiative is they underestimate the capabilities, the, the personhood of demons. Um, and I think that's going to be ultimately, you know, bad for them. Uh, Buffy obviously knows better. And then Walsh says, uh, you know, they do have keen eyesight, so you might want to be suited up for this. And Buffy's <laughs> like, oh, you mean the camo? I thought about it, but uh, it's going to make you look all Private Benjamin, which gets a little, like, titter from everybody in the crowd. I'm assuming that's a movie reference? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, sorry, everybody. We're showing how young we are here, and I didn't bother <laughs> looking it up. And then this is my favorite line. She's like, Same. don't worry. I've patrolled in this halter many times before. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's such a good line. <laughs> we've talked in the past about Buffy's slaying outfits, right? Like heels and skirts and, you know, yeah. like practical stuff. And like, yeah, I don't know if I'd call that the most practical outfit. And I, I get what Professor Walsh means, but like the color choices and stuff. But it's also just like, yeah, it, it's. This is the problem when you bring people like outsiders into your military organization, right? Is they're always going to throw a wrench into the works because they're not part of that cohesive unit discipline. And that's what we're seeing in the scene, right? Is Buffy is a free radical in this sense. And so, she's the I no. in team, you might say. Uh, I, what I like about this situation, it's so funny that she's asking questions and she's raising her hand, but like, it's just the contrast of blonde Buffy wearing this bright pink halter top and this flashy yeah. necklace. Her arms are bare and she's in, right in the middle of all of these commandos who look exactly the same and are sitting silently and it's just so funny when she says oh i've patrolled in this halter many times <laughs> exactly so wall shuts it down she's like okay let's just go back to the presentation let's hold our questions which you know typical when you've got the one person in the audience always asking questions you're just like questions till the end <laughs> and then <laughs> she's like dr Engelman, take it away <laughs> dr Engelman, so awkward he's like um actually i'm done <laughs> And Walsh is like, okay, Agent Finn, deploy the chiefs, <laughs> right? Like, it's just this most awkward moment because, again, Buffy's throwing them off their groove. So Riley, to his credit, he, like, snaps into action. He comes up. There's this music. And he's like, okay, we're going to do a four-squad setup. And he assigns the team leaders. He says, Alpha team, you're with me. Uh, you know, and Buffy is going to be on Riley's team and we're going to see that's going to cause a little bit of uh, friction later on and then Walsh finishes off the briefing by saying okay this is a zap and trap capture not kill 
any questions? Guess who has questions? <laughs> She's like, Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also very curious, very curious. Um, at this point in the episode, why is Buffy so interested in joining the initiative? Because everything we've learned about Buffy up until now has been that she is a leader and she does ask questions, especially when Willow inspires her to, but she does not do well with authority. Look at Giles and how he had to adjust, he had, had to completely adjust himself to being her watcher. Wesley did not last long. She fired the watcher's council and... It's not like Joyce has a very firm grasp on her. So it's interesting that she wants to join this initiative. Well, I I have a couple of thoughts on that. First, I think Buffy is deceiving herself, right? I think she's telling herself, I can keep myself at arm's length from the initiative, but I can patrol with Riley, you know, mix business with pleasure, have the backup. Like she's trying to tell herself there's all these positives because I agree with you. And I think she knows that about herself, that ultimately this is not going to work out, but she wants it to work out because she knows this is important to Riley and she's super into Riley. Mm, For some reason. I think the other thing, and we talked a little bit about this in A New Man, and I I know some of our our listeners have brought this up. Certainly we've talked about this on the Discord. Buffy sees Maggie Walsh as kind of a role model here, right? Like she hasn't had a strong female role model um, and here comes somebody who not only knows her shit, but it also like is in the monster fighting business. And the fact that Walsh is the head of the initiative, at least here in Sunnydale, I think that says a lot, right? If the the leader were like another stuffy white guy, I don't think Buffy would be on board. She'd be like, I'm sorry, Riley, I'm out. The fact that it's Walsh, even if she is a little intimidating to Buffy still, I think that carries a lot of weight for Buffy. Mm. Very fair point. Um, and we in the next scene with the two of them, like we might actually see a little bit of the fact that Buffy sees Walsh as Riley's mother figure as much as like Riley might see Giles as her father figure. So maybe she just also really wants to impress her and um, make her like her, right? It's the weirdest episode of the Brady Bunch ever. <laughs> this is weird. So Willow is at Tara's door and she's like, you know, a funny thing happened with my prior social engagement. Like, you know, it pretty much ended when a friend of mine went off to do something with another crowd that she hangs out with. Irony is kind of ironic that way. Anyway, um, if you wanted to, you want to do something. And Tara like smiles and lets her in. It's really cute. Um, and how happy Tara is to see her. So here's what I mean. Buffy's patrolling with the alpha team. And she's like, does Professor Walsh hate me now? Like, because I asked so many questions and Riley's like, well, it's unusual, but like, you know, she's she's just not used to you. Maybe because you barely opened your mouth in her class. <laughs> so she says, he says, I know you. she likes you. In fact, she liked you before I did. Buffy's like, really? Maybe I should get her a present or something. And I think that's, that, that's what I mean. Like, I'm like, well, she's kind of treated her like it's Riley's mom. She really wants Riley's mom to like her. But I like what you said more that it's just more like she's finally got like a female mentor that maybe she really wants to foster this relationship mm-hmm. so riley says like look buffy can we talk about this later like there's a dangerous hostile out here and since i don't have your real reflexes i kind of need to focus i can only do one thing at once <laughs> like he cannot multitask because he's a himbo and uh buffy says yeah and then they start to talk to walk and buffy says well, what do you mean she liked me more? She liked me more before you did. Like, you didn't like me? And we cut to Forrest, who is bitching to Graham about Buffy and how Riley, he was Riley's second in command, but instead he picks a girl 
to go with him. And Graham's like, his girl. And Forrest is like, whatever. Three guesses on what that boy's thinking about. And Graham's like, well, maybe he's giving you a chance to get out from get out from under his shadow. And Forrest is like, I'm not under anyone's shadow. And Graham's like, yeah, yeah, it was a joke. Don't get your panties in a bunch because these are soldier boys. And they're just going to throw out that locker room talk. But now this is interesting. And we brought this up maybe a little bit too early. But uh, a couple episodes ago, we said a lot of people out there think that Forrest is actually in love with Riley and his jealousy over Buffy and Riley spending time with Buffy um, has to do with his unrequited feelings or his inability to come to terms with that he actually might have feelings for Riley. Um, And I I just wanted to bring up here because this kind of, the scene kind of like gave me Mm -hmm. essences of that. Well, we're we're also seeing a parallel here between Forrest and Willow, right? Where it's like, the, the significant other is kind of replacing the best friend in the pecking order. Yes. Yeah, I, I agree. So it's, it's happening on both sides here. And I don't want to say that people who think that Forrest is gay and is in love with Riley, I'm not going to say you're wrong, but I, I don't see think that there's any actual evidence to support that. I do think that, you know, people read into the subtext here, just like they did with Faith and Buffy. <laughs> it, it, it does actually bring out a more richer character development in Forrest because he is quite he's a one card kind of character for the most part Mm -hmm. so giving him this like subtext underbelly makes him a little bit more interesting so I get it um, and I just wanted to draw attention to it here lo and behold Spike Hostel 17 walks by with a grocery bag (laughs) so the commandos attack him and um, Graham shoots him in the shoulder because Graham's an excellent army guy and um, Spike runs away but not before beating up a couple of these commandos. Now, we know Spike can't actually beat them up, but what he does do is he's able to like toss them and throw groceries at them. <laughs> so how come he doesn't feel pain from that? <laughs> like, what are the rules? It's a really good question. I know that this is a subject of much debate in the fandom, right? It's like, how does the chip actually work, right? And is it like, is it based on like, does Spike think it's going to hurt them? Like... I don't know. Like the groceries are just kind of a distraction, right? They're not actually going to hurt the commandos. So maybe the chip is like, okay, I know this isn't going to hurt the commandos. Therefore, I'm not going to cause pain. Like it's just, or is there like a magical component where it's, I don't know. It's strange. I'm with you, but Spike gets away, fortunately (laughs) or unfortunately. I don't know. Whose side am I on, Steph? I don't know. Spike's very confusing right now. Um, What is even funnier is that the demon that they're tracking just runs out (laughs) and Buffy and Riley and the alpha team. Um, So as Buffy and Riley start slow motion fighting this demon, we also get clips of them having sex for the first time in Riley's dorm room. Yeah, it's like it cuts back and forth between the fight sequence and the two of them undressing each other and making out and then... Sucking each other's fingers and, no, and no, it's fine. It's fine. We don't have to talk about it. Still. I'm sorry, but like it, this fight is neither intense nor is the sexy and sexy. So I think they do it like hand in hand to make us think that like, oh, with the intensity of the fight, so was the intensity of the sex. Well, she, she's hungry and horny afterwards, right? Yeah, of course. Like Faith was. And all, I mean, also that's a in, that's juxtaposing her relationship with Angel. She wasn't able to give into her hungry and horniness after fighting with Angel because he couldn't have sex with her. So they would go ahead and have some tea and charcuterie and that's it. But here she's able to indulge in Himbo Riley. But I'm just saying it's like steamless sex. Like, the, like there's one scene... <laughs> 
where Buffy's kissing Riley's chest <laughs> and his arms are open up like he's Jesus I know, Christ. No, <laughs> I did not. Do not want. Hard Thank pass, you. hard pass. Um, but also, Buffy and Riley, like, like again, I was, I was leaning into them. I was like, okay, yeah, like I'm open to it at the beginning of the season. But now, like, I just, like, I just don't like this. I don't care. I don't care. Like, I'm glad that Buffy's getting some. That's great. But I saw Riley's sex face, <laughs> which looks like a confused fish, and I don't like it. Because <laughs> he's just, there's one point where Buffy's on top and he's like, oh, <laughs> like, he's just like, Adoy. and um, it's just not sexy. I'm sorry. It's just not a sexy, uh, roughy sex scene. Maybe we'll get a sexier one in the future. But if anyone does think that this is like great sex, let me know. Because I'm just, I'm curious, like what you liked about it. Um and then it's interesting, though, because after they're already doing it, we cut to when they beat up the demon and Buffy looks at Riley and she says, so what do you want to do now? So it's a it's an interestingly cut scene. They're having sex. They're having missionary sex with sheets between them, just like she did with Parker. <laughs> and oh, my God, they're on camera. They're on candid camera. And Maggie Walsh is watching them do it from the initiative like on the screen so here's my question yeah so does she have like motion detectors set up to alert her when riley comes into his room or is this just her normal every night <laughs> entertain like does she have popcorn that she like makes a bowl of popcorn and then sits down and she's like okay it's 7 p.m or 12 a.m or whatever it is like time to see what riley's up to in his room like <laughs> Riley's not bringing girls back. Is she just watching him masturbate most of the time? And oh, play with that little God. Basketball? With, and the, so she's very aware what his sex face looks like. Um, I have another question for you. And is it, do you think that she actually wishes that they were werewolves having sex right now? Because she really liked watching Oz the werewolf and Veruca get it on in Wild at Heart. She probably has like books of notes, (laughs) right? Where she's like different binders. And I'm assuming Riley's isn't the only room she has wired. She's probably done this for all of the initiative guys who are undercover at UC Sunnydale. So she Mm -hmm. probably has like a little binder for each of them. And she's like, you know, okay, like uh, Graham's bends this way. And, and, you know, like, oh, Forrest likes to watch this type of porn. It's just like, you know, just monitoring all these sexual habits of the the boys under her control. How do I get this job? (laughs) Okay, 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 okay. And I'm just going to speak my truth with you, Kara. I still think that Xander watching Buffy change in the mirror in season one is worse than this because Xander is played off as a nice guy, whereas at least we know Maggie Walsh is sketchy AF and is doing something creepy yeah, in 314. This doesn't surprise me at all, right? <laughs> like, this is clearly, I, I don't know if we call Walsh a villain, but this is clearly like antagonist behavior. Um, yes. And to be clear, like, it is bad. Like, we're not condoning. No, I'm not know, saying monitoring people. <laughs> do one or the other. No, 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 no. Uh, no, clearly Riley and Buffy have not consented to this sex tape. Jesus. But it's also like, <laughs> but like, you know, yeah, like you're saying, Maggie Walsh, like, I wouldn't put it past her. No. And she gets hers later. And Xander never did. I, yeah, I had to slander Xander a little bit. It's been so long. So <laughs> speaking of Xander. We're at Giles' house, and Xander and Anya are there, and Xander's basically wearing Giles down. Um, He's like, come on, Giles, don't you want one? 
So Giles finally tries a boost bar. And he's like, okay, I'll take a case. And he tries one and he spits it out. He's like, I hate this. This isn't banned candy. Um, and before... <laughs> Giles is just chasing that high for the rest of his life. So before Xander could give Giles more of a hard sell, there's a knock on the door. The door opens. Spike runs in with his, uh, you know, trademark blanket tarp look that he uses <laughs> for getting around during the day. Uh, and then he talks about how the initiative are out there hunting him. And Giles is just kind of like, okay, cool story, bro. Like, <laughs> why is this my problem? It's not looking good, bro. Uh, and, and Xander's like, Spike said that he doesn't want anything more to do with us. That hurts. In kind of mock, <laughs> mock surprise. Uh, and Spike's like, I need help. They shot me in the back. <laughs> so Giles says, why should I help you? And Spike says, because you're the goody good guys, the bloody friggin' cavalry. And Giles is like, mm, I think you can do better. Why should I help you? And Spike tries, well, I helped you when you turned into a feral demon. <laughs> you know, I, I made you pay me for that. And then the penny drops and, and he's like, oh, okay. So he takes out what's left of the money. He's like, I spent most of it on blood and smokes. And he gives it back to Giles. So, you know, Giles is getting a little bit of a reimbursement. You know, good for Giles, honestly. I really love that he is taking advantage of Spike in this way because it does feel like often the first half of the season that Spike took advantage of the Scooby so hard and they let him. Yeah, why are we helping Spike? Yeah, exactly. Like Giles is like, yeah. okay, well, give me money then. And that's that's... Honestly, the way you got to play with Spike. Uh, and I just also want to point out, he uses a phrase here called circle the wagons, which is actually like an anti-Indigenous phrase, right? Because it comes from Westerns and stuff, uh, where you you uh, circle the wagons and you know, like bring the wagons into a protective circle to protect them from the, you know, attacking Indigenous forces. Uh, and there, there's a lot of phrases like that in our language, like, you know, let's have a powwow or, yeah, or the, being my tribe. on the totem pole or... Yeah, tribe, spirit animals. Like, yeah. it's just worth pointing these things out when we hear them, just to remember that there's better ways of saying these things. Um, so Spike's like, okay, chop, chop, let's get to work here. And we'll see how that goes. But instead, we cut to the post-coital scene. Ooh, Buffy's waking up in bed, and she immediately turns around to look for Riley because Buffy has bad experiences with waking up in bed alone but riley's there because where else would he be and he's smiling his oafish himbo smile down at her and he's like watching her and he's like what's the matter weren't you expecting to see me and buffy's like I, you never know what to expect so like <laughs> buffy she's so charmed that he's there and I'm like, uh, like, it's not her fault, but like, we really need to get Buffy to raise her bar. Like, that is the bare minimum, if that, for the guy to just still be there in the morning. But she's never experienced this before. So I am genuinely happy. And not be evil. Yeah, and not be evil or a fucking huge dickhead. So I'm happy for Buffy to have this morning with Riley and points for Riley, even though, again, this the, actually no no points for Riley just good I'm glad he's there good because he should be there there, there you don't get points for that so <laughs> Riley kisses her and his pager goes off he's like oh time to take my vitamins <laughs> so <laughs> he actually has a full glass of water beside his bed to take the vitamins so the, either that water's been there since the night before unless him and Buffy came in after patrolling all hungry and horny and he filled up that water glass before they got it on 
that water's been sitting there for two days and is probably incredibly dusty. So just a lot of questions around the water cup for me. But Bobby starts asking him about, you know, how he became part of the initiative. And Riley says they plucked him out of the special ops training to do it. And um, Buffy said, what did they tell you it was for? And Riley's like, they didn't. In the military, you learn to follow orders not to ask questions. And Buffy's like, well, aren't you curious about all the science and the research stuff that they're doing? And Riley's like, I know all I need to know. We're doing good, protecting the public, removing the subterrestrial threat. It's work worth doing. And Buffy straight up is like, what's 314? And that's when the Phone rings because Maggie Walsh has been watching them all night. <laughs> and yeah. he answers it like really as soon as Bobby said, what's 314? She pressed speed dial and boom. And Riley's just like, um, yep, coming. And then as he's getting changed, Buffy's watching him get changed. And she says, you really aren't one for asking questions. And he's like, I'll leave that to you. Smiles. So Riley is starting to develop a little bit of curiosity. And he's peering through the restricted hallway window when Walsh catches him. And um, she basically says that he's going to join Beta Team and they're going to go after Hostel 17 and they're waiting for his arrival and she wants to send him because he's the best at doing it. As Riley goes, Walsh says, make me proud. And he's like, yes, ma'am. And I was like, damn. So she, they just think about this for a second, okay? Walsh said that Adam, that weird thing in 314, is going to make her proud. And now she's telling Riley, make me proud. And Riley's taking these weird vitamins in the morning. Like, there's something afoot here, Cara. I don't know what it is, but my stuffed senses are tingling. <laughs> in room 314, she's back in there with her best friend, Dr. Engelman. And Engelman is like covered in blood because he's sawing something. And Walsh is like, the Slayer is becoming a liability. And Engelman's like, does she know about the project? And Walsh says, she knows it exists. She already holds too much influence over Riley, i.e. she let Riley inside her. And I want Riley inside me. Just kidding. She didn't say that. But like, oh, could oh. that be what she wants? I don't know. No. <laughs> no, no, no. I think anything's possible oh. at this point. Um, Engelman asks if they're going to move on. <laughs> they're going to move up. <coughs> If we move on to the contingency scenario. Scenario. <coughs> Listen to that. Uh, everyone, social distance. Walsh says right away. And Engelman's like, that's too bad. She could have been a powerful ally. And Finn will take it hard. And Walsh is like, that's, that's why sooner is better. So Engelman lifts the arm that he just sawed off. Because the demon they captured the night before that made Riley and Buffy hungry and horny, he's dead. And they're bringing pieces of him to Adam. Ooh. So that's, that's clearly how they've made Adam, right? Is they've like taken the best parts of different demons and assembled them into this supreme turbo demon, I guess. Awesome. Can I just <laughs> say something here? Which yeah. is, and I think I've been on this train for most of this season. The initiative has not run very well. Yeah. Um, you know, they didn't know much about the Slayer. Didn't know the Slayer was right under their noses. And now it's been, what, like a month? Since you learned Buffy's the Slayer and she learned about the initiative and already you're like, she's a liability. We have to terminate her. Like, you've done a terrible job of inducting Buffy into your cause. This is your fault, Walsh. You could have done a much better job of, uh, you know, maybe putting down like a false trail for Buffy to follow. Maybe 
leaking what 314 is but making it sound innocuous mm-hmm. right like oh yeah 314 is just like a, a special weapons project or how about like, like a fun fade there's out so many things you could have done here like showing buffy the room but nothing's in there it's like ooh, this is just where we like store our weapons but like when she leaves they pull out adam you know what i'm saying right like she's too busy watching people have sex <laughs> werewolves actually make good use of her resources so i'm I'm just saying like i i think that this is her fault like everything that happens in this episode especially at the end it's it's walsh overreacting she's panicking she's not thinking clearly and i don't think she's a very good manager i agree with you um i also think the initiative is a piece of shit but i i also think this is why this episode doesn't sit well with me why like it just doesn't do it for me because i just think everything is rushed yeah, I, it just I see feels that. really rushed. Like Buffy literally just got initiated into the initiative. Like she literally, and last week or last week, but like the episode before, we literally found out that there was a three fourteen, and yeah. that Giles doesn't like Maggie Walsh. Like I just feel like this could have been two, three, four episodes of pacing this out to make this reveal that 314 is where they do weird experiments and are building some awful creature a frankenstein that that could have been a lot of a bigger bomb if we had gotten to know maggie and buffy and their relationship a little bit better that's just me though so giles is trying to remove whatever it is that's in spike's back and it's not a bullet because and it's too deeply embedded to be a tranquilizer dart, and Spike is like, well, it's also I, like, also I'm not tranquil. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't trank him. Like, why did they shoot a tracker instead of a trank dart? I I just don't know. again I I clearly I just don't know enough about military operations. I it's suppose. true, or also like we're saying, the initiative don't know what they're doing because you're right. They all should have had trank guns if they're just zapping and trapping as. Maggie Walsh said. So Giles notices that it's blinking, whatever's inside Spike. And um, he tells Anya to get a bottle of Cognac. <laughs> I say Cognac. Um, how do you pronounce this alcohol? Cognac? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I always read it as it's spelled Cognac next to the sink. Um, Spike says that they're going to get snockered now. <laughs> and Giles is like, not for me, you prat. It's <laughs> like, if I'm going to operate on you, I need you to be anesthetized. How do you say that? <laughs> I'm fucking my COVID. I'm so tired. <laughs> Anesthetized. <laughs> this will take time, he says. Xander says we don't have any. Because remember, Xander was a soldier for three hours, like five years ago. <laughs> so <laughs> that Xander knows that that blinky thing is a trait. It's a tracker, a homing beacon. And if the commander guys are reading the signal, they're coming home. So Anya gives Spike the bottle and he starts to chug it. And Giles says, we need more time. It's too deep and I'm no surgeon. So Buffy did the walk of shame and she's arriving home to her um, and Willow's dorm room. And she notices that Willow also didn't come home that night or she got up really early and made the bed, Buffy. But that's when Willow walks in um, right after her and Buffy's like, out all night, huh? And Willow says, you too. And Buffy's like, yeah. And then Buffy says, sorry. Like, I'm sorry for bailing on you with bronze. And Willow's like, don't worry about it. And Buffy's like, okay. <laughs> and then her pager uh-huh. goes off and then she takes off. So m- one, number one, my suspicion that Buffy only had one college course and that was psychology with Professor Walsh is true. Because <laughs> why aren't you going to class anywhere else, Buffy? Um, number two, 
Willow stayed out all night at Tara's? I see it. Are we supposed to... Are, mm, are we supposed to assume that they also kind of like hooked up last night? That she stayed no. out all night? Or did, did they do just witchcraft all night and she's coming home? I, I think they probably just did so much witchcraft. They just they were probably up until like 3 or 4 in the morning at least, right? Because it, it was late when she got to Terrace. So a, by the time they did all the witchcraft and then um, <laughs> you know, they probably just fell asleep. Uh, when you say witchcraft, you mean something else? <laughs> no. <laughs> You're like, no. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you do witchcraft all night, like, yeah, it probably goes to about four and then you fall asleep on the floor. Um, <laughs> God. So <laughs> Buffy leaves. The phone rings. It's Giles. And he's like, Willow, I need you. There's a problem. I need your help. So let's go to the initiative because Maggie is sending Buffy on a small job. She's like, it's a waste of the Slayer's abilities, but my boys are on assignment. And Buffy's like, no, no, I'm down for some action. But Buffy, you got action the night before. <laughs> Walsh says that they have a reading of a class three subterrestrial moving through the sewer tunnels just on the north end of town. And class three means low level threat, minimal aggression, meager defenses. They barely show up on the scanner and occasionally turn out to be raccoons. I want to add that raccoons are so normal to you and I, I'm sure. Like, seeing them is no big deal. If anything, it's a nuisance because they're they're cute. They're really cute looking, but they're vicious and they get into everything. Um, but I was in Boston or in Salem a couple months ago and there was a raccoon and people were losing their minds about the raccoon. They're like, oh my God, they're like taking photos. They're approaching it. So I don't know. Like, I guess it's, the raccoons just aren't in everywhere in North America the way we think they are. It's a little raccoon fact for everybody. Um, Walsh hands Buffy a giant blinky gun. Like it looks, it's got like lights on it. It looks so fake. Um, the comm cameras also is given to Buffy. And she says, you know, wear this and it'll feed back to me an image and I'll advise you once you get to the place. And I don't think you'll be in any unnecessary danger. Or I don't want you to be in any unnecessary danger. And Buffy's like, danger is my birthright. <laughs> so <clears throat> Professor Walsh, um, she says, Professor Walsh, there's still some stuff about all of this that I'm not clear on. And Professor, Professor Walsh was like, well, you can, when you get back, we can talk about it. It. Um, and Buffy's like, okay, great. And then she's like, do I have to salute you? <laughs> she's like, no. So Buffy leaves. <laughs> so Spike is passed out drunk. Willow is doing the spell as uh, Giles operates on him. And Giles is telling Xander that uh, Willow's spell will ionize the atmosphere around them, thereby disrupting the tracer's signal and buying us time. So the spell does light up. It lights up the room. All the light bulbs burst, and Willow's like, did it work? And then when it goes back to the Scoobies, all of their hair is standing on end, like they've been electrocuted. <laughs> so it's it's cute and funny, and the army guys are noticing that the signal is blocked, but they know it's heading in <coughs> into a populated area. So Riley says, let's change into our civvies, then move out. And I was like, civvies? That's such a cute way to stay close. <laughs> so um, Buffy is in the sewer and she's got her headpiece on and she's got her little flashy gun and two demons come out and Buffy immediately recognizes these demons from the pit on her tour with Professor Walsh. I like how you called them Zoidberg demons. <laughs> they look like him, right? With his like, with his um, little tentacle face. They, well, they both have axes. And just as Buffy tries to fire the gun at them, um, it sparks and it's clearly busted, right? So Buffy throws it to the ground and then a gate closes behind her. So she's been trapped. It's a trap. It's a tra you got there before I hit <laughs> But I'm glad that we're on the same page. 
Buffy starts to fight the two the two monsters, right? And one literally hits Buffy with the like handle of his axe. And I was like, why not hit her with the axe, my dude? <laughs> so anyway, Walsh is watching Buffy fight on camera and there's a busy initiative happening behind her. No one notices. <laughs> well, it's probably like people might notice, but they're not going to say anything. She's the boss. They don't. They don't wants. ask questions. You wanna, you're right. You want to kill a blonde girl? Like kill? Like maybe this is just a normal Tuesday for the initiative, right? Like maybe Walsh is luring innocent blonde girls to their deaths. It's just what she does to get her rocks off. Yeah, you the, don't know. The original horror trope of blonde girl gets killed by monster was originated by Professor Walsh at the initiative. She's so. just testing out her two new demon soldiers, right? Because that's what Dr. Engelman does is he's like, he's like reprogrammed them to like fight Buffy. Yes. Yeah. And, and the funny thing is that Buffy's heart is being monitored on the screen as well because she's wearing the $20,000 piece that's also going to tell her what she ate today <laughs> and how many calories. So at one point, the um, camera falls to the ground and the heartbeat goes flat. It's like, right? And Walsh is like drinking her coffee and she looks a little bit concerned as in like, what have I done? Or has anyone noticed what I've done? But then she's like, Oh, well, like, you, like you're saying, another day, another another initiative day. So the boys are in their civvies and they're walking um, down the street looking for Hostel 17, um, who apparently is in within a two block radius of that tracker. And Riley knows that Giles's house is two blocks away from there. So I've just, I know he's a himbo, but like you'd think Riley would be like, wait a second, a lot of demon activity happens in this area. <laughs> it's like every single night, basically. <laughs> right? So maybe first things first, Riley, go see what Giles is up to. So <laughs> Willow is saying the ionizing spell is wearing off. That wasn't very effective. Willow lasted for like two seconds. So... Giles manages to pull the tracker out from Spike. Xander runs away with it upstairs. So the soldiers are like running toward the tracker and then Forrest is like, it's on the move. It's coming straight for us. 40 meters, 10 meters. And Riley's like, in broad daylight? Like, look alive, people. Weapons on the ready. And like, then Forrest's like, it's past us. And then that's when Riley realizes that it's been flushed. Ooh. Classic. Classic Wasn't tracker flush. This reminds me of, speaking of callbacks, this reminds me of Homecoming when, mm. uh, you know, the, the German guys were hunting Buffy and they had the, the tra tra tracers on her and she managed to outwit them by placing it on one of them those german guys were definitely cast offs of the initiative like they quit <laughs> the initiative to go rogue <laughs> so um cut to buffy who's still fighting the two demons she's not dead of course uh she ends up stabbed <laughs> okay one of these zoidberg demons ends up stabbing the other one like hitting the other one with his axe and then he falls into this puddle and buffy notices that her gun is still sparking so she throws it into the puddle and it electrocutes the other one which dies so we cut to the initiative where riley's coming in to say that they failed in getting hostile 17 and Walsh is like putting on this acting show that is not good. And she's like, oh, <laughs> Riley, like something terrible has happened. It's about Buffy. Two of our hostels broke free and escaped into the tunnels. Oh, no. She went after them on her own. She's dead, Riley. <laughs> and Riley's like, what? <laughs> oh, 
bless bless Mark Lucas, who is doing his best to be upset here. Um, Walsh is like, I did everything I could to stop her. I told her to wait for a backup team, but she kept insisting she didn't need a team. She can handle herself. And Riley's starting to get upset, right? He's like, like, how could this happen? Like, what, what do you mean? And Walsh is like, like, her back is to the screen, right? But Riley's facing the screens. And she's like, I know what she means, what she meant to you. She was this very special girl. I tried to stop her. It's hard not to blame myself. But we as the audience and Riley can see the camera move. And then Buffy (coughs) is on the screen and Riley notices her. And then Buffy says, Professor Walsh. And Professor Walsh turns around and Buffy says into the camera, that simple little recon you sent me on wasn't a raccoon. Turns out it was me trapped in the sewers with a faulty weapon and two of your pet demons. If you think that's enough to kill me, you really don't know what a slayer is. Trust me when I say that you're going to find out. And then she stomps on the camera. (laughs) I get chills. And I I think this, this might be why I have such a fondness for this episode. Because this is where Buffy shows us that streak of anti-authoritarianism that you were talking about earlier, right? Like in the the previous season, she stood up to the Watchers Council and was like, I don't work for you anymore. And now in this season, she's standing up to Walsh in the initiative and being like, y'all tried to kill me. Um, so now like you're really going to find out how much of a badass I am. I love these little moments where the 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 bad guys underestimate little blonde buffy and she can come up and be like hey not dead or you know came back from the dead mm-hmm. and it's, it's just so good like this we've been working towards this point and i completely agree with you i do think it's rushed in terms of how they paced it in the season mm-hmm. but this moment oh buffy has earned this yeah it's it's incredibly satisfying to watch. And it's also so interesting because up until now, she was so worried about Walsh liking her and she was like, you know, yeah, um, being bumbly around her and awkward. And it's obviously because if she wants you to respect her, Buffy cares and is awkward and like tries too hard almost. But now she does not respect Walsh. Walsh is her enemy. So she gets her attitude back. And I love it. So w- Riley is like, what? And he like walks away and Walsh is like, Riley, Agent Finn, I order you to stop. Agent Finn, Riley. <laughs> so and this is uh, creating a scene. Everybody's looking around being like, what the fuck? Right now everyone's like, okay, now I have questions. Um, so we cut to Giles really quick. Um, he's telling Spike that, you know, it'd be wise for you to leave Sunnydale. And I actually had this question at the beginning of the episode, but Spike answers it now, where he says, I'm not going anywhere. Not until those bastards undo whatever they did to me, put me back the way I was. Because at first I was like, yeah, why is Spike looking for a crypt in Sunnydale? Just go, right? Just leave. Um, but sh- but this is why. So Xander says, yeah, sure. Just explain to the nice scientist guys that you really miss killing and torturing innocent people. And Spike's like, you think that would work? And uh, like, this is a- like, again, Carl, like you were saying earlier, like, I'm confused. Like, do I want Spike to get away? Do I want them to catch him? But like, he's saying right here, he wants to be evil. Like he would kill people if he could. So the Scoobies really should kill him. We've been saying this for like 12 episodes now. Like, they should kill him. Um, And Giles is like, as long as the initiative is in operation, it's not safe for you here. And then Buffy comes in and she's like, no, it's not safe for any of us. So we cut to Walsh, who's doing a evil 
villain monologue to Adam, right? Where she's like, fine, if she wants a fight, we'll give her one, won't we, Adam? I've worked too hard, too long to let some little bitch threaten my project. Threaten me. She has no idea what she's dealing with. Once she's gone, Riley will come around. He'll understand. It was for the greater good. He'll see that. And if he doesn't, well, first things first. Remove the complication. And then when she least expects it, Walsh is impaled. She's impaled. Oh, my God. From behind, Adam has stood up and he now has the demon arm of the the polka demon from earlier. And he stabs Walsh, who falls to the ground. And he says, mommy. (laughs) Cut to black. What an episode. What an episode. Um, I think there are some really great parts in here, like you were saying. But again, like, I just think it's rushed. And the fact that Walsh is revealed to be a villain in this episode, she's been working on Adam. She tries to kill Buffy. Revealed to be a villain, Steph? Revealed? The big big shock of it is here. And then she dies. And uh, we don't know Adam. We don't know what Adam's about. But they were building up Walsh to be the villain of the whole season. So killing her off, I just think right. it's a little bit of a shame. And it's, and I think ultimately what I feel about this episode is disappointment because I think that they right here are getting rid of plot lines that I think would have been a little bit more interesting than what we're about to see. I mean, maybe I don't know. I don't know That's until fair. we watch them, but I, I really liked the dynamic between Walsh and Riley and Walsh had a, has a connection to Giles now and Walsh, knows willow and also walsh is building a relationship with buffy and i think that would have been a lot more compelling to see moving forward i think the writers were just kind of being a little bit lazy taking a shortcut of like we're gonna write walsh out so that we don't have to deal with the fallout of her relationship with riley right but that would have been cool Um, that would have been interesting to watch but at this point now she's a martyr because she's been killed by you know a demon from the initiative and so it's like riley can set aside his his feelings of betrayal because it's like oh no now my mom's dead right and he's gonna have all these complex feelings i'm very curious to see yeah like you said how we feel as we we rewatch the next couple of episodes Mm -hmm. how riley processes all of this who is your hero um part of me wants to say buffy right because you know she was just so awesome in this episode I will also give a shout out to Giles. Like you said earlier, you know, taking advantage of Spike in his time of need. (laughs) Uh, Good job, Giles. Yeah, I'm going to pick Giles as well. Um, I like that he's still a hero in helping Spike, right? And bringing Willow into the fold and everything like that. But um, it's also hilarious that he took advantage of Spike because Spike deserves it. So there you go. (laughs) Okay, we got hot steaks today. We got hot steaks. They're hot. They're hot. They're steaks. And steaky. First up, Alice from Twitter wrote in to us about Mark the Whiteboard Guy. Do you remember Mark the Whiteboard Guy? Oh, I live for Mark the Whiteboard yeah. Guy. So in the episode Hush, Mark was selling, we called him Mark, that's not his real name, but he was selling message boards for $10 a piece. And we were kind of speculating, like, what happened? Like, how did this come about? So Alice wrote in and they said, I think to cash in on the sudden inability to speak in time, this guy must have either been a janitor or security guard at the local office supply store in Sunnydale. So at 3 a.m., he realizes he can't talk and goes to the janitor or security guard next door and sees they can't speak either. Then he realizes he has access to all the whiteboards in town. (laughs) 
He leaves money on the counter and waits on the corner for hours and makes a profit five times over before Willow and Buffy showed up. Mm, I love a good Mark the Whiteboard guy backstory. <laughs> <laughs> More. Thank you for filling that in, Alice. We really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Um, our next hot stake is from Danny, who wrote in to talk about Joss Whedon on trial, our bonus episode over our break. And she says, I can't help but wonder if he wasn't willing to risk not having the Cordelia-Xander relationship because Xander had to get the popular hot girl because Joss had to get the popular hot girl. I completely agree that he sees women as objects. And I wonder if this was the case of it being more important to Joss Whedon that a woman serve her purpose as an object of his wish fulfillment than function as a real person from a diverse background. To Joss, what would be the point of Cordelia if he, oops, I meant Xander, can't have her? <laughs> yeah, so that comes from the fact that in the episode we talked about how, you know, at one point it was possible Cordelia could have been casted as a black actor, but that didn't end up happening in part because the network didn't want an interracial relationship. So Danny's kind of speculating like, mm, okay, Joss had to choose black character interracial or black character or relationship and he chose relationship because you know as danny said uh joss needed that hot girl energy <laughs> so yeah it's interesting and also like teen show you know teen shows they always gotta mm -hmm. have these relationship ideas in the background all right we have some buy me a coffee supporters to thank Ooh, praise Malik. praise Malik. We have Haley joining us, who says, I became a fan of Buffy in 2013 when my best friend introduced me to the show, and I became obsessed. I wasn't able to watch it all the way through, as I was without cable and internet at the time, so I had to buy the DVDs secondhand, and wasn't able to do a full watch through the show until 2015. My favorite characters are Anya, Cordelia, and uh, Andrew, but she stresses and Andrew from a later season. So we'll see what that means, specifically season seven. Mm. So I don't know. We're not there yet, so we'll see. And then our next Buy Me A Coffee supporter is Nicola, who says she became a fan at the ripe age of 13 when Buffy was first airing, watched it every week alongside Xena, Warrior Princess, because, you know, two strong, badass uh, female protagonists. Uh, Nicholas says, my favorite character would be Giles. I had a huge crush on him as I got older, uh, but it resonate, I resonated more with him. And she also says, you know, being British, that also influenced me. And she says, I have a soft spot for Cordy too. I used to love Willow, but as I got older, I realized how selfish she is. Mm, oh, very interesting. interesting so you're kind yeah. of talking about that. Mm. Uh, Nicola goes on to say, my favorite episodes are The Body and Hush. Uh, you know, and points out that these are kind of complete opposites in terms of their use of music and background noise and stuff. Uh, and then she wants a special shout out to Wesley and Angel's dancing in Angel. What do you the, mean? The I gotta go find this. <laughs> uh, finally, we have one more supporter to thank because we got a few people over our break here. Uh, and this is just a shout out to Carson, who's just excited to, to join us. Um, Thanks, Carson. Yeah, that, that was all Carson said, but we <laughs> just really appreciate all the support. And thank you especially to our chosen ones, Lizzie, Emma, Hannah, Tiza, Alexandra, Kyle, Kayla, Destiny, Brady, Erica, Justine, Allison, Lena, Jace, Julian, Haley, 
and Nicola. Thanks, everyone. We will see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you want and can afford to donate, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options. We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week. We also invite you to join in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, and Prophecy underscore Girls on Twitter. You can also email us at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website, prophecygirls.ca, where you can find the link to our Discord. Praise Moloch! See you next week!